I thought I had this vision for my life and it turns out that that vision isn't actually what I wanted. So what do I do now, you know? And I was like, I think I wanna combine law and social media. Real quick, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. My goal is to share the lessons of these interviews with as many people as possible, and the show only grows if more people find out about it. So if you could just do me a quick, quick favor and think about how you found this episode and make sure to return the favor by telling someone else about it, sharing it, whatever that looks like, I would appreciate it so, so much because that can help me keep growing the show. And if you've gotten any value out of the podcast, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button. I do interviews like this every week with new and exciting professionals. So stay tuned to keep your career moving in the direction you want. Thanks. And let's get into this week's episode. Obviously, we'll talk about how you got into this and what you do a little bit. Legal services for content creators and influencers. What are some of the biggest challenges that people in that industry are facing? And how does that necessitate kind of a need for for legal help? I think the biggest thing is that creators don't realize that they have power to negotiate and that they should, and that they should even have a contract. Like, it's funny, when you're in law school, like you take contracts your first, that's one of your first classes of law school ever. And they'd say like, there's contracts everywhere around us. You know, you make a contract to get your car washed. You are paying them for a service that is a contract. They are promising that they are going to wash your car and you are going to pay them the $20 to wash your car or get your hair cut or, mow the lawn or clean the pool like those are contracts we don't think about it as that because it's just a transaction but what is a contract a transaction and i don't think creators realize that they it's a transaction yes they love to create content and they got into it for the love of creating content and sharing their life or their story or their niche or whatever but when you start working with brands they are offering you product or compensation for a service, the service being you creating the content for them. That's a contract. And it should be memorialized in a signed writing. And they don't know to do that. And then on top of the fact that they don't even know to do that, they don't, they just, oh my God, a brand wants to work with me. They send them a contract and they're like, okay, what do I do with this? I, What are these words mean? This 10 pages, I don't know what to do. And they just sign their name and they have no idea what they're signing. And so great, you know what a contract is, you know, you should have one, you know, you should ask for one, but then you don't know what you're signing. And that's the biggest issue is that brands are the more sophisticated party, no matter the size they are. Because Especially if they've done it before, like that particular kind of deal. They've done it before, or they have a legal team or a marketing team. And, and not all, a lot of times contracts I see are very they're bad contracts because they're copied and pasted and they conflict within the contract. And sometimes that could come back to bite you in the butt and influencer has no idea about that. So always want to review your contract. You want to have someone look at it. If you don't know what you're signing, that's another thing in law school, like, you know, for a prenup or for will or for certain business contracts, like it literally says, like, please consult with an outside attorney if you do not like, you know, in a prenup, both parties, like husband and wife or whatever, husband, husband, wife and wife, they both need to have attorneys on their side. Like it, you don't have to, you should. And if they, you know, you can't come back, the wife can't argue 
20 years later that she signed it in under duress if she you know like they're gonna ask for evidence of that and if you had an attorney review it then you can't really claim duress can you because or you're or you waived that you had someone else review it so you always want to have someone review your contracts to make sure you know what you're signing and ask questions for them to explain what you're doing and you know that's the beauty of social media is that there's so many lawyers now creating content about what to look for in contracts and you know we can't provide legal advice but we can tell you like these are the red flags to look for in a contract and it's funny you say that i literally was just about to ask you after you finished that point what are the red flags to look for like yeah so we can tell you like words like exclusivity perpetuity usage rights whitelisting those are things you want to look for control f like we have the beauty that in this day and age we can do that like control f and if those words are in there you want to make sure you are comfortable with those terms perpetuity run you should never ever ever in a million years sign away worldwide exclusive not a uh, transferable sublicensable perpetuity like for all time like anything like that like those are words that you do not want in your contract because guess what they have the right to use it for the rest of their life and put your face on a billboard and if you find it 10 years later you're not going to get paid for it and if 10 years later you're worth way more than your brand is worth way more than you are now you might not even get paid you're not no you not that you might you will not get paid because they're going to pull up the contract that you signed where you signed away your rights to let them have the content so intellectual property rights you also want to make sure who owns the content do they own the draft do you own the draft once it's published can they repurpose it for media and marketing purposes do they have to pay you for that they should you always want to make sure that there's an ongoing relationship you know so those are just little things that i always recommend that people look for in a contract and i i'm just starting out so i have yet to start creating content about that on my own social media also because i'm an influencer first and i you know i want clients to come want to work with me but i don't want like i'm not going to give away all my secrets like that's the point of hiring me to help you but yeah i will tell you like these are the things to look for and um and we're creating that content right now yeah, that too. Like I, I much prefer creating it. Like I am a bad influencer because I hate creating short form content. I am a, I'm a talker. I, I talk with my hands. I'm in, like engaging. I want to have a relationship and a conversation. So I'm more of a webinar or a podcast girl um, than short form content like on a TikTok or something that is just like, I'm going to get cut off. Um, but there's so many creators that are lawyers that are creating that content. They're my mentors. They're my friends. And I'm seeing them create content. And I save it. I'm like, oh, I need to create that video. But I just, it's not my passion. My passion is like coming on a podcast and talking about it like this. But yeah, the number one thing for creators is if you want to work with the brand, make sure there's a contract to make sure you read it, you understand it, you ask questions and you know what you're signing because you don't want to get to the point where you're like, oh, my name and face is on like an ad or a website and you didn't get credit for it. Yeah. So I want to go back to something you mentioned before about a lot of creators not realizing they have the ability to negotiate. Obviously, we kind of talked about some of the things to look for. What are some good negotiation tactics, though? When How do you spot when you should be negotiating, aside from just spotting red flags? Maybe in always. the- Always. Always. 
So you never, ever, 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 ever want to take the first offer. You never want to make the first offer. Same thing, going back to, if you, you're going to the mechanic, let's say your car broke down, you're going to the mechanic and, and you're like, how much is it to get whatever the carburetor changed? And they say 300 bucks. And you're like, can you do it for 250? Always, you're always going to try to get a better deal. You know, mm-hmm. same thing. The brand's always like, okay, I want a four TikToks and, and three Instagram stories. And they're like, okay, thank you so much. Like, what are, what's your budget for such a partnership? You always want to ask what's the budget? Not, okay, my rate is $2,000. Never. Because what if the budget was $5,000? You just left $3,000 on the table. Yeah. So you always want to ask, what is your budget? And then they're going to say, our budget is $2,000. And you're like, okay, can we do, well, my, like, so I never tell them, like, my individual rate for each deliverable is $1,500, let's say. But in your head, you want to be like, well, my individual rate is $1,500 and they want four videos. So 1,500 times four, that is your, that's what you want to offer. That's your counter offer. And now, by the way, a counter offer, the original offer is dead. It can't be revived once you've countered. So now they can only go off of that number and you want to make sure that you are now in the middle. So you find the midpoint. They're never going to take that number. I I can't do math without a calculator, so I don't know what it is, but (laughs) let's just say it's $8,000. Like yep. they're not gonna say eight thousand. They started at two. You're at eight. They're probably gonna come back with, "Can we do thirty five hundred? And you're like, "Can we do seventy five hundred? And then they're gonna get a little closer, and then you're gonna get a little closer, and eventually you're probably gonna meet around five thousand dollars. That was what you originally wanted, right? Worked out. Yeah. So you always want to make sure you are making a counter offer. You're never taking the first offer, and you're never making the first offer. You can always negotiate. You never want to leave money on the table. And also with negotiating. It's not just a base rate per the deliverable. Exclusivity, usage rights, whitelisting. You can charge for all of those things. Edits, I include the first edit, any additional edits they have to pay for. Um, what else? Because uh, otherwise they could just come and ask you to do that. And a million what are you times. And no? you're re- no, they're going to ask for two, you know, they're going to keep, they're going to be nitpicky. And they're going to be like, can I, can you change one thing here? You send it back for approval. Oh, can you change this to I'm like, let me, you don't know that you can be like, no, I already contract says I can only, you missed out. Now you have to pay me for that. Um, yeah. If you don't have the contract, then you'd say, okay, they asked for it. Brand, I want to make sure the brand is happy because I want to get paid. So let me make another edit. And then they ask for three more. And at that point, it's a whole new video. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You should have been compensated for it because you wasted your time making the original one. If they knew what they wanted, but they didn't tell you. You also always want to make sure you have a campaign brief. You know exactly the talking points that they want you to make, the call to action. What do they want in the video for you to create? So you're not going back and forth in the editing process. I also include, if I see that the brand is a stickler about having more than one edit, I will add into the contract that we will give them a script. They have to approve the script. That's where you can make your edits, revisions, redline the script. You let me know what you want. And then when the filming happens, they get one bite at the apple to make edits. The second video that is sent, if it's not approved, contract is not going to go forward. And yeah, that's it. Because if they approve it, it gets published and then contract is closed and payment is due. Going to send an invoice. But if they don't want it, 
then, well, that was the terms of the contract. If you don't want to pay me, then there's really no contract to be had because this isn't going to be published. If you don't, I'm not going to, I can't contractually publish something that you have not approved, but you're not willing to approve it or pay me more. So then contract terminates because, you know, both sides yeah. are they're not willing to, to budge. And then you always want to have a termination clause. What happens at that point? Make sure you're getting paid for the content you created up until that point, pro rata share. There's a whole lot more to it. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they don't know that look all these things that they could talk about and they can negotiate. And you know, I'm all for influencers taking it upon themselves to learn this and do this for themselves. But most of them don't want to or don't have the time to because they are full-time students. They work full-time, they're full-time parents whatever it is that they're doing and they want someone to handle that for them so they can get back to the part that they love, which is the creation of the content that got, they got started doing that. That's what they want to be doing anyway. So that's when it makes sense to hire a manager and hire someone to help you review that. Or if you don't want a manager taking commission, which is fine, not everyone does, then have someone when it's a contract that you do not understand, or it's a lot of pages and you don't have the time to make sure you look it over and actually review it and analyze it and go back and forth with content with edits by the way contracts you can go back a million times and edit mm -hmm. I, I do it takes me sometimes months to get a contracts finally ready to wow. be sent to the client for for signature but that's different you can go back and forth a million times on that but you just want to make sure that you know you you know what you're signing and at that point if they don't want to have the time to do that then I offer contract consultation services. I can offer for a certain flat fee, you know, contract review per contract. And if it's a package of contracts, then it's at an hourly rate. And it's the same thing because I'm a lawyer. I can offer that as a service. So I offer both management and also contract review services as a lawyer. And I'm tailoring my legal practice to creators and influencers and entrepreneurs in the creator economy because it's a growing business. It's a growing industry. It's a billion dollar industry. And there's so much money to be had, but people just don't know. And there's a glaring lack of representation across the industry, I think. So getting it, we got pretty deep into it fast. I want to back up for a <laughs> second and kind of talk about how you got into this in the first place. You're obviously pretty well educated in, in this industry already, but you're also fairly new in it, like you mentioned, and you're building your own law firm as you go along. Could you talk a little bit about just coming out of law school, making that decision, how that looked, kind of some of the stuff that we talked about off air. Yeah, so it's funny how it all got started. I, growing up, wanted to be a lawyer my whole life. I wanted to be a lawyer. I, you know, my dad's a banker. He works with a lot of attorneys. And I was like, I want to be the lawyer on his deals. Like since I was a little kid, when I knew- Were you the, were you the kid just arguing every point? Yeah, and I still yeah. do. <laughs> Um, by the way, if someone tells you you would like to argue you'd make a good lawyer, that is not a good enough reason to go to law school. But anyway, besides the point, <laughs> I, I just knew I wanted to be a lawyer. And once I got, I, I, I worked in project management companies. I worked at law firms. I interned. I did, you know, I was a legal studies major with the poli sci minor. Like I, you know, I thought I had, you know, I did everything you're supposed to do. And then I got to law school and I was like, actually, I kind of hate this. Like, but it was my childhood dream and I knew that I wanted to be a lawyer. Like that that goal was still there. That like career choice was still, it's still what I wanted, but I was like, oh wait, I don't have to be a lawyer. Like I don't have to limit myself. There's so many things I could do with a law degree 
why am I going to limit myself to being in an ivory tower and the golden handcuffs of a big law firm or in-house at a big company? Because that's not aligned with what I want. Like some people that's, they want that life and they love that life. And I'm happy for them. A lot of my best friends, almost all of my law school friends and several, since I've been out of law school, I've met so many people. I'm like surrounded by lawyers and consultants and engineers at this point. If I'm not, it's not influencers. They're all consultants, lawyers, and engineers or finance. I'm like, I need to get out of this bubble. Like it's hard because also I'm totally going on a tangent here. It's hard also because I'm at a certain lifestyle, like tax bracket. And like, I'm going to be surrounding myself with a certain caliber of people, but also like, do they all have to do the same exact thing? Cause like, it's a little bit too much sometimes. I, I digress. Like, well, I think you make an interesting point there because I mean, another thing this reminds me of that we were talking about off air is how there's a, there's a little bit of a challenge in the industry that we're both in because you're a podcaster yourself of your lawyer brain wants you to do one thing, your creator brain wants you to handle it a little bit different way. I think yeah. kind of surrounding yourself with a little bit of both, you kind of have to because then you can understand where both sides are coming from and and find a way to meet in the middle. And that's the thing, by the time I was already in law school, I was blogging. I was, you know, I had started sharing my life online. I studied abroad in college and I shared my trip and how I packed for it and what I took on my trip and the things that I did. And I was sharing my outfits and people always have asked me about my hair, how I do my hair. So I was sharing my life online a little bit. And, you know, then I started, I was like, when I was starting to apply to law school, I was doing all this research and I was like, no one's talking about what it's really like to go to law school. Like, I know I want to do it, but like, I still want to know what I'm getting myself into. And I was like Googling and nobody was talking about it. So I was like, I have a platform. Mind you, it's a small one, but I'm going to start sharing it. So I started blogging about my law school experience and I was, it was my outlet. It was my hobby. I enjoyed it. And it was like, when I had a bad day at school, that's what I, you know, I took my energy out there and that was my creative outlet. Like I've always been a writer, creative writer. I'm not like, I joke that I'm going to write a book one day. So does my dad. I don't know what it would be about, but like, I'm not like a short story, like fictional person, but like, I I like to write. So it made sense that I was blogging about it. And, you know, I was like, there's something here. Like I, I enjoy, I, I was a dancer my entire life. I've always thought that I wasn't that creative because I couldn't choreograph to save my life. I didn't remember like, the choreography. I like my friends now will get together and songs that we used to have dances to from elementary school and middle school will come up and they'll start doing the dance. And like, you remember that? Like, I vaguely remember this, but like, I have no idea. So I was not a choreographer. So I always thought I wasn't creative, but in reality, I loved to read and to write. That was my thing. So again, lawyer makes kind of sense, but yeah, I was like, there's more here. Like I'm seeing a need for me to be a content creator sharing my life like my specific like what i'm up to like people probably want to know that sure enough they did and at that point the industry was starting to pick up and brand partnerships were starting to be talked about and contracts that you could negotiate and that people were starting to like blow up and you know talk about it being a business in and of itself it wasn't just a hobby anymore people were going full-time and making money off of this and i was like I don't like the lifestyle that my classmates are talking about, like the lifestyle that law school pushes on you. I want more for myself. And I think I want to, I want to still blog about like my life. Like I, and I knew that if I went big law, I could not have a platform. Like my life was signed over to that firm to make partner. I was on a, I would be on a partner track 
And that was the end all be all. Like that's the end goal. That's where you want to be. And I just knew that that didn't, that wasn't what I wanted. So all the control and the autonomy rests with the firm and they, whatever they say for you goes at that point. Yeah. And I was like, that's just, I'm very headstrong. I'm very stubborn. I'm opinionated. I know what I like. I always have. I lost it along the way, but like that, that little girl who, you know, took no shit that she's always been there. And I, it kind of like, I was starting to get that voice back. I had lost it in college and I for sure lost in law school, but blogging was my voice. And I knew that I needed, like I had found her again and I, I couldn't let her go. And so, yeah, I didn't know. I was like, do I want to still be in law school? Like COVID happened at the perfect time was the perfect storm. It allowed me to come back home and continue law school, but figure out my life. Like it had been a couple of years of mental health struggles and I just wasn't happy at school. And I like, I thought I had this vision for my life and it turns out that that vision isn't actually what I wanted. So what do I do now? You know? And I was like, I think I want to combine law and social media, but the, the seed kind of it started and it didn't happen until another year. It was spring 2021. And I was in the small business clinic at my school and my professor asked me a question that changed my life. And he said, what kind of lawyer do you want to be? What kind of clients do you want to have? What kind of work do you want to do? And I said, I don't know, but I want, I don't know how it'll work, but I want to combine law and social media. Like I have the interest and passion for social media and the insight because I'm a content creator myself and I've worked with small time brands and I've seen contracts and I have the training and skills as a lawyer to be because I'm a law student to know what these contracts should look like and that I can negotiate them. And I feel like the influencer side of me wouldn't know that had I not been in law school. So other lawyer influencers don't know that. And like, I can, I can, I don't know. I don't know what's going to look like, but I kind of want to do something where I can combine the two. And he was like, I'm going to be honest. I don't know what that entails, but like, I will do some digging and see what I can do. And a couple weeks later, he found me a trademark client who was a mom influencer and she created a fitness course to like get your body back after baby. And she was promoting it on her platforms and selling courses like packages, fitness classes, whatever. And she wanted to trademark the name. And it was like, okay, trademark is a law thing. And she's an influencer. It makes sense. Like I had, he was like, is that something you're interested in? I was like, what's the USPTO? What's it trademark? Mind you, I was a 2L. You don't learn IP really in law school. Now they're starting to teach it a lot more because it's blown up with NIL and all of that. And like, there's so many t- law school creators that IP has naturally become something they're interested in. So law schools are learning to offer it. But my school most definitely was not like they have the classes, but they're very niche. They're small. It was like an eight person class, two girls, six guys, and they were all STEM because they wanted to go into patent law. Mm, okay. Not the not the trademark side, not the not the social media side of things. They wanted to do engine. They were engineers that wanted to go into patent law. But I took the class anyway. I f- did not do well. But that's besides the point. <laughs> um, I was like, I don't know what trademarks is, but like, it seems like it, it it does what I want it to do. Combine the two things. So like, yes, let's take it on. And I fell in love with it. And two years ago, I was like, okay, like I'm gonna become a trademark attorney. And no firms were willing to hire one, a first year, second, a woman, third, a minority to be in the IP department. 
it, it was as simple as that. It's just not done. You have to go rise the ranks just like everybody else. IP is very niche. It's very specialized. You don't get to IP without going through the bitch work of the totem pole. And I wasn't willing to do that. I was like, no, I know what I want. I already know that I want to get there. Like, because most people, they just fall into IP. They happen to enjoy it and they're really good at it. So the firm places them there. I was like, no, I, I want to do that. And they're like, well, no. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm just, I'll look for someone who can, who can hire me, who's willing to take that risk. I think there's yeah. this kind of unique intersection, and sorry if I'm getting too ahead here, but I think there's this kind of unique intersection where social media breaks down the barriers to entry to a lot of things. Because if you can build a platform around what you're doing, you can kind of shortcut a lot of that grunt work that it takes to to build yourself up to the point where you could make your own business. And it, oh, you're in like 100%. the perfect intersection. 100%. So that's, yeah, you're getting a little ahead of my story, but that's exactly <laughs> what happened. And yeah, I was like, okay, if no firm is willing to hire me, I'm going to go on Instagram and I'm going to connect with attorneys who are doing it. Because there are, by now, I'm not the only one. I can't be. So I started putting keywords together and I started finding people. And a lot of them were lawyers that were unhappy in their jobs and were sharing legal tips on social media to have an outlet or blogging about how miserable they were. And they found this the same kind of way that I found it, they found it too. And they're like, wait, there's money to be made here. I can market myself as an attorney doing contracts, which is what I do at my law firm, but like contracts I actually want to do. Social media is cool, like creator economy. I, I don't know, all these different things. And so I you know, they, it, it all kind of, it was like the perfect storm. It really was. And I started finding a couple lawyers that were doing this in Alabama, in New York, in Florida. And I was in Tennessee. And I was like, anyone looking for a law clerk, an intern, I need a summer job. Like no one was willing to hire me because they were all starting out or they were doing it as a side hobby while still working at a firm. So like they couldn't have employees or independent contractors or anything like that. But they're like, I think it's really cool that you're passionate about this. Like, if you have any questions, let me know. So I started making relationships with these people, mentoring that they were my mentors. So I went back to the insurance firm that I was working at because it was a safe bet. I still needed a job. I still needed a job post-graduation. And I was like, I know that's sick. Okay, so now I know that's where I want to end up, but I will, it's going to take a little longer than I thought. It's not going to be as simple as I thought it was going to be. So let me just keep working towards it on the side. But like, I'm still going to pursue, I'm going to fly under the radar and like still pursue like the traditional law school thing because I still need to graduate and I still need to get a job to pay the bills. You know, I have loans. Mm -hmm. I need to, I still need to get a job. So I went back to the insurance firm, but my professor was like, Hey, you need to write your research paper still. Like you haven't written it, your expository in order to graduate. Would you want to write it on the findings you have learned about while you've been doing trademarks? And like, you know, you have an interesting research question. Are Do lawyers fit into the creator economy? Should mm. lawyers be in the creator economy? So that was my research question. Why are lawyers needed in the creator economy? Because I was starting to see that a lot of lawyers were starting to think about these things. And most of them were women and young attorneys. They were not really happy with the, the system, the process, the lifestyle of law and big law. And it just kind of like was all coming together. 
And so I wrote my research paper on that and I needed sources. So in social media is a source. Nowadays, it's, it's a great research tool. It's a starting point. It's one, one database. And I was starting to ask around, like, how do you know so much about the industry? And I met someone who was building a, a tech app. She's now one of my really good friends. And she was like, would you be willing to work at Rella, her company, and help me with contracts? Like I manage influencers as part of my business. Like I'm building a tech app, but like I also manage influencers because she's been creating since she was 15. And she like people were coming to her like, can you help me? Like you seem to do so well for yourself. Can you help me get to where you are? So she started offering management services based off of what she learned as being a creator herself. And so she was like, do you want to help me with this? And I was like, I need, yeah, I want to leave this insurance firm. Absolutely. I want to help you with this. And that, that was the other thing that changed my life was she hired me to be an influencer manager at Rella. And by March of last year, she was like, my app has grown so much. I no longer can handle the influencer management side. Would you want to take this on as your business? You're the one running this department anyway. And I would have been stupid to say no. So I started managing influencers on my own. The same clients that I had then, I asked if they wanted to come over to my business and they did. And, but through all of that, like that professor asking me that question, me being a blogger and getting like interested in it and kind of putting the pieces together and creating a life for myself. Like it all goes back to, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer, but I also knew that I wanted a certain lifestyle. So I asked myself like really deep down introspective and again, COVID and allowing me to come home and really be introspective helped me with this. I was like, where do I see myself in five, 10, 15, 20 years? What lifestyle do I want to live? Do I want to be in the ivory tower or do I want to be able to be at my kid's soccer game and yeah, I have my computer and I'm answering emails if I need to, but like I'm present, I'm there. I still want to be a mom. I still want to be a wife. I still want to travel. I still want to, you know, do all these different things. And I know that I can't do that the same way that fits the lifestyle that I grew up with and that I want. And I just, I realized like, I'm going to reverse engineer my life. I'm going to create the career for myself that allows me to live the lifestyle that I want. And yeah, that does still include being a lawyer. So I'm going to stay here and I'm going to graduate, but it's not going to look the same as everybody else. And it kind of, yeah, like those mentors and friends, like they couldn't hire me, but they're like, you could be really good at this. You learned about this while you were still in law school. You are miles ahead of us. Like it took us going to practice and realize we hated it and were miserable to know that we could go off on our own. Go for it. Why, why are you going to sit around and be miserable if you already know you're going to be miserable? Like, take the leap. And it was really scary. And, but I did it anyway. And it, that's, that's where the firm came from of, and getting, I, I, everything I've learned, I've learned by asking questions and networking and meeting people who could teach me. And if I was interested in it, I looked it up and I found someone or some way to learn about it. And then I started doing it. And you just trial and error. Like, that's literally it. There's so many good points to get into there. I mean, I think uh, one thing that came to mind when you were describing all that, you described yourself as kind of stubborn, hard-headed, and I think it probably came naturally for you to challenge some of those preconceived notions of you have to take this track to do this thing. 
I think that doesn't come naturally for everyone, but there's a really great point in there about there are so many unique ways to approach things if you start getting creative and reverse engineering, like you said. And it's really worth taking that time to think, what do I want in 10, 15, 20, 30 years? And how can I get that? And is the current track I'm on the right track to get me there the best way that I would like to? There's a lot of really good value in doing that. And I think for me, it came from actually my professor, that same professor who asked me that question. I still friends with him. We still talk every couple of months. We like try to make it a point to have a Zoom catch up. Um, The other day we talked and he said, I'm so fucking proud of you. You've listened to your intuition. And that's something that most lawyers don't have. It's really rare. And I'm so proud of you that look at what you've built. Like everyone thought you were crazy. You thought you were crazy, but it worked out because you listened to your gut. You knew what you wanted and you didn't let anyone tell you differently. And like, that's something that is so rare. And I wish more people in this profession were like, and I was like, that's the greatest compliment that someone could ever give me because it was risky and it doesn't make sense to people, but intuition doesn't make sense. If you can explain intuition, it's not intuition. You can't logically reason with intuition. It's not a logic thing. It's a gut thing. And I, I'm a gut intuition person. Like I immediately know if something is right or wrong for me. I, it can be the, a minor thing, like an eye twitch or a full body. Like you literally cannot move forward. Like something is physically holding me back. Like my whole body can react sometimes. And I just know, And I just knew that the traditional law school path, like I would cry if I had to go to class or I'd be in class and I'd be bawling my eyes out. And like, I love the networking. I love the social aspects and the networking of law school. And I I still wanted to meet all the attorneys. I still went to every networking event that I possibly could because I enjoyed connecting and meeting people. Hence the name Connect to Social. That's where that came from. But I didn't want the lifestyle that they were all championing it just didn't feel right to me and i and i was like i i know this is really unpopular i know this is really scary but like i need to trust myself even if it it doesn't make any sense even if i make no money doing it and i can never pay off my loans and i have to live at home for the rest of my life it's i know that this is right for me nobody else has to understand it and i and i i tried to explain it to as many people as I could. And people, they're just not, if they're not willing to understand you, they don't like you. And I I know now that that's the reason why I was super unpopular in law school and I didn't have a lot of friends because I was different, but that's not a bad thing. And so when my professor was like, you know, also professor, you know, mid forties, suit and tie, glasses professor in law school, he did the big law thing, he did the machine and then he got unsatisfied. He, you know, he was disillusioned by it. And he decided to go into teaching because he was like, there's better use of my time and skills in teaching. And his approach to teaching and and my approach to learning clicked because he actually cared about me as a person and as a student, not just a number, you know, gotta go big law so they make a lot of money so they 
bring it back to the school and our bar passage rate and our numbers look good for the ABA like that. He wasn't methodical like that. He genuinely cared. So that compliment particularly coming from him of like, I'm so proud of you for trusting your gut because not everyone knows to do that. And like, look at where it's gotten you. Yeah. Nobody believed in me. I'm fully aware that nobody believed in me. Sometimes it's shocking to me that I'm a lawyer. Like people will tell me I'm a lawyer and I'm like, no, I'm not. And they're like, yeah, you are. I'm like, oh, really? Like, because no one believed in me. And so I stopped believing in myself, but I knew that like the life that I wanted, being a lawyer was still a part of that life. It just didn't look the same way. And I wouldn't be where I'm at today had I not started creating on social media. It's really well, simple. Props to like, you for I got to do this. I got to do both at the end of the day. And that's all yeah. that I that's a cool note about entrepreneurship in any form is a lot of times you actually can have your cake and eat it too if you're creative enough. So and if you want you it badly finding, enough, I think you have yeah. to be willing to, you know, reinvent the wheel. It's hard. It's not mm-hmm. fun. People are going to laugh at you. But every Amazon, look at Amazon. Like it started off in his garage. By the way, he's a hometown boy. He's from Miami. He went to my rival high school. Fun fact. Like started off Jeff Bezos yeah started off in his garage he's a Cuban immigrant like me like start off in his garage and it it was not anywhere close to what it is today I mean it's there's a lot of things wrong with it but like it he had no idea I have no idea where it's gonna go but I was willing to take a risk because I knew I, I was onto something and you know no one needs to believe in you I know that now you have to believe in yourself but yeah it can be really discouraging if no one around you understands but having that one person believe in me that changed the trajectory of my life I have him another professor who I actually got coffee like a virtual coffee with on Valentine's Day I love her and my dean and one other professor like and then a few like admin staff like five people at my school in the in the faculty and like staff and then three four of my classmates that was it and my parents like not everyone supported me most people didn't but like a few people they i was passionate about it enough that i was willing to say screw it i don't care and i'm gonna do it anyway and i don't care who laughs at me and who thinks i'm crazy and if it crashes and burns because at least i tried and it's better to say that you tried and it didn't work out than not try at all And, you know, that was it. Like, I just, I knew that if I didn't try, I would regret it. And I knew that I would end up in a job that I hated. And I was probably not going to make it very far in life if you catch my drift. And and in law school, there were many a time where I didn't want to continue, not just school. And it took one of my best friends being like, fuck them fuck what everyone else says who cares they don't even like themselves they don't want to they don't like you because they don't understand you because you're different but that doesn't mean it's bad like i'm happy for you that you know you want something different and you're willing to go after it who cares what they said like who cares if not everyone likes you why do you so badly want to be liked by everybody else like i love you i'm proud of you you know you're onto something fuck them who cares and you know he was my call and like he was like absolutely like he didn't answer because he was sleeping and the next day he sees my text and he was like let's go we're going out we're going to brunch 
and we're going to talk and we're going to figure it out because you're not going fucking anywhere. You belong here just as much as everybody else does. And he was right. And I didn't have to do it the same way everybody else did. And that's okay. But law school doesn't tell you that. Law school forgets that you have a life. And so does the legal profession. And I see every day with some of my best friends, they are so unhappy, but they're stuck because that's what they thought they wanted. And the money is really good. And, you know, they enjoy the work, but they hate the hours. They hate the lifestyle. And then one of my friends the other day was like, I grew up dirt poor. This money means nothing to me. I am I'm done. I can't keep I'm getting I'm making it to the, the year mark. And then I'm out of here. And I was like, I'm proud of you. Like, that takes balls. And he was like, well, you know, I told you that I'm proud of you. Like, look at everything you're doing. And like, yeah, like, I don't know if I inspired him. I have no idea. I don't know if he'd even tell me that. But like, the fact that he knows deep down in his gut, it's not right for him. And like, he's going to do something about it. And like, he's willing to, you know, yeah, the money's really nice. But like he said, I don't, he doesn't need it. And some people are so scared of being told that they're crazy or that, you know, or leaving the perfect life behind or what they thought they wanted or what is expected of them. And don't get me wrong. It's not fun. I hate it. It's scary. And I cry myself to sleep more often than not about it and wondering if I made the right decision. But at the end of, (laughs) at the end of the day, I know that I made the right decision and I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't made that choice. It certainly sounds like you did make the right decision. I think there's something in there that was really smart that you did. I'm listening. Hold on. Oh, okay. Uh, I think there's something in there that was really smart that you did, whether you meant to or realized it at the time, is that you you were onto something and you were also having a really tough time and it was a, a very unique, kind of unprecedented, for you at least, path but you seeked out mentors that could help you along that path and that got you on track. Uh, What have been some of the challenges getting into it since you started this and since you went out on this venture to start your own firm? What kind of challenges have you faced? Yeah, I mean, to the point of mentorship, it takes a village. We've all heard that before. You know, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to live. That's why friendship is so important. That's why mentorship is so important. Why networking is so important. And I'm so passionate about it. I wouldn't be where I am today had it not been for the people in my life that allowed me to have the opportunities that I did. You know, I got the internships in high school and college through my dad knowing attorneys. And my dad's not an attorney. No one in my family is an attorney. I was the first to go to grad school. Actually, my dad went to grad school, but like while I was in high school. So like much later, but <laughs> the dog slammed. I've got one right under my. I've got one sleeping right under my desk. Full force into the I heard. I heard. I heard the like rustle of it. <laughs> okay, hold on. Like, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the people in my life. Like, truly, like my professors, they 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 believed in me because I believed in me, and my I believed in myself because I had my best friend supporting me along the way you know i tell him every time i talk to him i love you know i'm so thankful he's like you don't need to tell me that every single time i'm like yes i do like i i would not be here and he's like okay that's a lot of pressure i'm like but it's (laughs) um 
No, but you know, mentorship is so, so important and it's not as difficult. It's not as tedious and ominous and scary as people make it out to be. Slide into someone's DMs or have a friend connect you. That That's how you and I met. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you don't like LinkedIn. Just like if you see that someone is doing like the role that you would like to do. Hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm a student at whatever and or I work wherever and I would love to learn more about what you do. I love like make sure you have read their profile, go to their website, their bio on their website or their LinkedIn profile, preferably both. And like, I see you went to this college, like, you know, and you studied this, like I'm studying this, like I, you know, like tailor it, tailor the pitch, make them want to talk to you. I have a literally an email, a cold email template. If people want it, reach out to me and I will send it to you. I'm trying to go off the top of my head of what I normally say, but I I'll send that to you guys. Um, and you just like, I would love to meet with you. I like now we're on zoom. You could do it virtually. It doesn't have to be in person. So it doesn't have to be someone in your city. Um, you know, I would love to learn more about how you got into this role. I see you worked your way up from secretary to wherever. And I would love to like get involved in this. Like, please let me know when you're available. I can do, give them options. Like don't make it easy for them. Literally be like, I'm available this day, this day, and this day. And are if you're available, I would love to get coffee. Here's a Zoom link. Bonus points too, if you can throw in a little compliment that kind of like shows well, that's that what I'm saying, yeah, you always want to flatter them. Like I yeah. see how that I see that you have worked your way up from this, this, and this, this is very inspiring. I see the research article that you post, you talked about this. I see that you've won this award. Like I want to do that. How do I get to where you are? Yeah. I'd say extra bonus points too, if you can find some way to provide value to them. If someone is if someone's really busy, you can always stand out by providing some kind of value on the front end. Say, hey, I'd love to, I see you're doing this thing. How can I help? How can I be involved? I mean, this, it, depends kind of on who you're, it depends on who you're reaching out to at that point, because if it's an entrepreneur, they're probably going to be more receptive to that. If they work in a big company, they're not. So it's not yeah. worth even mentioning that because there's a system, there's a process. So it depends. You definitely have to tailor it to whoever you're reaching out to. Like the template is a template for a reason. It's not copy, paste, send. It's you are using it as an outline, but you are filling in the blanks as you, depending on who you talk to. And same thing for content creators pitching yourself to brands. Like I use a template email, but I tailor the pitch to the brand. Why do I love the product so much? What content do I want to create for them? How can they fit into the content that I create? How can I provide value to them? It's the same as sorority fraternity recruitment. It's a mutual selection process. They want to know what you bring to the table and you want to know what they can add value to in your life. It's not one-sided. And if you ever feel that anything is one-sided, it's not the right fit. And you should not go forward, which is why you want to negotiate your contracts because you don't want them to have all the power. You want to have some power back. It's never going to be equal, especially if you're one person and they're a billion dollar company, but you want to make it a little bit more favorable to you always. Love it. What do you see as the the main areas that you want to continue to address? We kind of talked about some of the challenges being faced in the industry. What are some of the, the main issues that you want to continue to address as you build out your firm with different creators and influencers that you work with? How do you want to change the industry? 
I just want it to be more relationship based, more people based. It's not a trans, it is a transaction, but it should not be transactional. And like, you're not a, you know, brands think that influencers are like, because they are a dime a dozen. There's so many, but you know, the, the content is unique. It's not cookie cutter, copy paste, scripted, like that. What do you bring to the table? Why are you unique? Why the whole point of influencing is that you're more relatable than a celebrity or an athlete or a model. Like we want to see nowadays the behind the scenes of how you got ready for the red carpet, not just the glam shot, you know, or, you know, for me, for example, I show the behind the scenes of like the challenges I faced building this business, which I need to answer the question. Um, I get off on tangents so fast. Um, yeah, like that's the whole point you want. I want it to be more people-based. I want it to be more relationship-based. The brand actually getting to know the influencer, the contact of the brand, because guess what? They move around the contacts. They're, they're going to start at Elf. They're, they could end up at Chanel. You want to, you want to make sure you have a relationship with Ashley from Elf because the event 10 years from now, she's at Chanel and you're, you've grown a lot and now you're buying Chanel's yourself, you want to still work with Chanel. Like, hey, you have a contact. You can reach out to her. So good to see you. How have you been? Whatever. You know, I see that you just had a baby or had a wedding or whatever. Like you want to, I hope you have a great weekend. Hope you had a great weekend. Like always, 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 always build that relationship. And as for the challenges I face, like financially is a big one. Always. You know, I'm the child of immigrants, first generation. English is not my first language. Um, My parents came here as kids. My grandparents came here with nothing. They started over. They've built everything they have for me. So I'm really lucky that I get to live at home. And sometimes I feel guilty that I'm freeloading because I don't pay rent here. But my parents are like, that's the investment that we are making in you. We helped you with your undergrad education. You invested in your education by taking out loans to go to law school because that's what you wanted. You have done a lot of the legwork. It's the least we can do to help you get started. And not be, so you're not in further debt paying for an apartment while you're starting to build your own business. Like they've been very supportive of me going off on my own. Don't get me wrong, they were scared shitless for me. And there was a lot of conversations and fights and screaming and crying of mom, like this is what I want to do. I know it, you're scared, but like this is what's right for me. But at the end of the day, like again, everyone knew that I was passionate about it. They can see it. You could literally feel it from me. Like if you were physically with me, like it radiates off of me. Like they just believed me because I believed in myself. So the biggest challenge is financially. Like, you know, I, I, you know, I live at home because I can't afford rent in Miami. It's very expensive. Um, all that money that I'm making from my job as a personal injury attorney is going right back into my business or my savings. Um, so I can move out and buy a house and, you know, pay for my car payment and insurance and all of those things and still have a nest egg so I can travel. Um, the software to start your own law firm, building a website. Um, you know, all of those things are expensive. That's what my salary is paying for. You know, I'm investing that right back into my business, but financially it's hard. My parents have loaned me money um, to, to start and I'm very grateful for them. I've never asked. I didn't ask. They offered. And that that was scary. I didn't, I didn't want to ask. I've, you know, they've given me so much. I didn't, you know, I, I, I always hated being told in high school and college, not so much high school, college and law school that I was a pretty little rich girl because I like nice things. Yeah, I like nice things. Who doesn't? But I don't ask. 
for them. I'm not a spoiled brat, so I hated being told that. But I'm really lucky that I, I have that financial support from my family and that they've raised me with enough wherewithal to know about finances and saving money. And I've had a job since I was 16 or an internship, but nine, 90 time, 90% of the time I had a job of some sort. And, you know, I started paying taxes at 16 and I had to pay for gas for my car. The car was given to me. It was my dad's old car, but like I had to pay gas for it. Um, you know, things like that. And then the other thing is to just the believing in yourself and not being afraid of the failure and the no and learning from it and being picking yourself up off the ground when it doesn't work out. And you're going to get a lot of no's at the beginning. You know, people think you're too young. You're not experienced enough. But when you find that one client that is also on the same boat, they're new, they're starting out, but they see the value in what you're doing and they want you to be a part of their team because you bring something to the team of their team, stick with them. And make sure you do go above and beyond for that client because one, recurring client, two, word of mouth. Um, and yeah, that's the biggest way to build business too is all word of mouth. And that's the beauty about influencing and social media is it's word of mouth. It's your that's what I love about you. Your, that's what I love about your point of trying to make it more relationship based. There's so much more longevity in that as a business owner is making it relationship based. I mean, like you've been saying, if you can stay with a client from the beginnings where they're they're just trying to make it work, but you really see the vision with them and you can stay with them for, for years and years, that's where you see something really awesome come together. It's a really awesome partnership. So I think that's the right approach. Yeah. And another thing too is they say it's not biz it's not personal, it's business. Business is inherently personal as an entrepreneur. There's a reason why you chose to go the entrepreneurial route. It's not a decision anyone makes lightly. Um, you know, it, it, it's an investment. It's it's a risk and it's hard. It's scary. I sometimes still cry myself to sleep. I'm pulling my hair out trying to figure out how I'm going to pay for this software because I know I need it in order to do what I want to do. Um, you know, that's where my parents seeing me like that came in and helping me. But you know, pinching pennies, you know, odd jobs. I almost went back to work a service job, even though I'm a lawyer, just to, you know, pick up extra money where I could. I chose not to do that and struggle a little longer, but it worked out in the end. Um, but yeah, it's 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 emotional. It, you, you know, there's going to be a lot of doubt, a lot of struggle. People aren't going to believe in you, but you have to believe in yourself. Um, and just surrounding yourself with the right people. Like that's the biggest challenge. People are very envious. People are very jealous. And a lot of times, like I said, like if, which is the, one of the greatest pieces of advice my friend has ever given me, he was like, they don't even like themselves. And if they don't like you, they don't understand, they don't want to understand you. They don't want to take the time to get to know you because you, you are, you're hitting a part of them that they're not willing to face, you know, they're jealous of you. That's what it is. At the end of the day, if someone, if a girl is mean to you, they're jealous. If a guy is mean to you, they're jealous. You have something they want and feel that they cannot have. Their own limiting beliefs. Do not let someone else's limiting beliefs affect you. They're personal to them. You're going to have your own limiting beliefs. But like, don't let others project onto you. And Don't let someone else tell your story for you. 
A hundred percent. And that's why podcasts are a great medium. And that's why social media is a great medium. But yeah, like people are going to be envious or jealous. Keep, you know, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Keep everything close to the best. You know, be very, very careful who you tell your ideas to. But when you know you found someone that is supportive and uplifting and gets where you're going, keep them close to you because you cannot do it alone. You know, I'm a solo entrepreneur. It's just me, but my mom's my accountant. My dad's my business manager and my brother's a marketing major. So on occasion, I ask him for advice on marketing and, you know, my mom takes my pictures. Some, all three of them do. Mostly my mom takes my Instagram pictures, you know, for blogging and Instagram and, you know, it's a family business. It it's a family business. My parents are like, when, where's my cut? I'm like, sit down, <laughs> sit down, Chris Jenner. We are not there yet, but maybe one day. Um, <laughs> but no, like you, you can't do it alone. And if you don't have that support system inherently in your family, friends, social media, my mentor network is like, that's why my podcast started. I was having so many incredible conversations and I was like, I need to be sharing them because if I'm having these questions, someone else out there is and they may not have someone to ask or be too afraid to ask so let me do the asking for them and when i'm really curious about a topic i want to learn more i'm like hey you want to come on my podcast i'm selfishly asking those questions i just am nice enough to share it with everybody else too because i think it's really cool um it's exactly what i'm doing here i mean that that ring that couldn't ring truer it's like uh it's such a good way. I, I think podcasting is probably the best networking tool that exists right now. You give, you've got like a great reason to have someone on that knows something about a topic that can bring value to your audience and, and to you at the same time. And it's, there, there's no better way to amplify that knowledge and deliver it in a great entertaining way. Yeah. And I mean, they say curiosity killed the cat, but I wouldn't be where I am today if I wasn't curious and willing to find out more. And yeah, sometimes I end up on a Wikipedia rabbit hole at four in the morning and I'm dead the next day. But my parents are always like, you know so much about everything. Like, you're just like a bottomless pit of knowledge. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll randomly say something and I'll be like, oh, by the way, did you know? And they're like, literally <laughs> go away. I'm like, a what? walking Sorry. Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, but like, I just, I love learning. I love knowledge. And it's sad, you know, I, it's sad that I hated law school because I enjoyed learning. It just wasn't the right environment for me to, it didn't foster my creativity, a creativity that I didn't even know I had, but it was there. It was inherent inside of me. And, you know, I just got really lucky that social media allowed me to, to do that. And, you know, some lawyers, their creative outlet is writing or painting or, you know, writing music or whatever, or just listening to music, have a hobby, like with any career, but especially law, like you need to make sure that you're sticking true to who you are and that you, there's something sacred for you. Like you, you're not going to get a whole lot of free time out of the day, but the little free time that you do get, you know, make sure you're, you're resting one, but two, you're, you're tapping into what makes you happy because at the end of the day, you are a person. You are not a robot, even though they want you to be. Like you're a human. You have to make sure that you're 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 filling back your cup so you can support the teams that you're on, the clients that you're supporting, do your work. Um, 
and and to me social media like it's it's both my job but it's also at the end of the day I st- which is why I'm like struggling to like market my law firm on my own business page because it's like I still want to create the content about going to the beach with my friends or going on a trip with my family or sharing my outfit because that's still a part of who I am and that's not going to change and like law school forgets that we are multifaceted people like I'm I'm not just one thing. I never wanted to be just a lawyer. I wanted to be a lawyer, but the end goal was not to become a lawyer. It was what can I do with my life? How can I, what, where do I want to be? And like, how does being a lawyer fit into that? And- well, I think maintaining that, like the being a content creator slash influencer, it, it keeps you very true and authentic to what it is you're trying to do in the clientele you're trying to work with you literally do what they're doing so you understand yeah. it from both perspectives i think that's very important what are the uh the top two or three considerations that you would want someone to think through if they're where you were at a little while ago and thinking about starting their own firm mm. And try to figure out whether or not it is right for them because obviously it's not right for everyone i think no that's obvious, but what are what are like a couple of those considerations that maybe you went through or or wish you had that you would tell someone else to go through? Can you do what you want to do at an established firm? If you can, go that route as much as you possibly can until you can't anymore. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm very glad I did it. I don't know if I would do it again. If, you know, part of me wishes that I could have done the law thing for the traditional law thing for a little bit longer to have a safety net, to have that security blanket, to feel more confident in myself. I still sometimes it's hard for me to promote myself as an attorney because I'm like, I'm an, I'm a fraud. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm, I've, I'm barely an attorney for a year, like not even a year, you know? I haven't, it hasn't even a whole year since I graduated from law school. Imposter syndrome is a dirty little bitch. It's hard I, to deal with, but. But, <laughs> but it's not that, even, it's not even imposter syndrome. It's just like, you know, it's that, like that fear. And and I, I, I do have a lot of fear of being afraid of what people think or what, you know, if they're going to laugh at me or not being liked, like. That's why my best friend was like, who the fuck cares if they don't like you? I like you. Like someone likes you we want you here who cares what they said um but if you want to go off on your own like look no one's gonna stop you like i'm not gonna stop you from going off on your own but i will say don't do it thinking it's the easy way out don't do it just because you don't want to work at a big law firm there's other firms that you could work at they're smaller firms um you know don't do it just to escape that lifestyle. Yeah. Don't do it just because I'm doing it. And it sounds like I have a great, like if, if you listen to this and you're like, oh my God, I want that lifestyle too. Like don't do it just because of me. You know, you have to really be willing to put in the work. Like we were talking about this before we started recording, but literally as I was starting to record, I got a call from one of my clients at the personal injury firm that I work at. Like, you know, I'm code switching all the time. Like one minute I'm trying to devote like, okay, I have them free from two to four. From two to four, I'm gonna work on pitching my clients. Guess what? Shit's gonna happen somewhere else. And I need to direct my attention to that. And 
you know, it's not all rainbows and sunshine. It's not going to be exactly what you want it to be. It's messy. You know, it's, you're, you're going to make mistakes and it's not all going to be perfect right away. Um, make sure you take your time with it. Like I still work part-time at a personal injury firm and that that's rare that I'm able to do that. It's a family friend. I got very, very lucky that they allowed me to work part-time knowing that I'm building on my own businesses. A lot of firms would not allow you to do that. So, you know, also if you cannot find some sort of arrangement where you're working part-time and you have to completely go off on your own, make sure you, you have money saved up to live and you have systems and processes in place to bring you in clients and opportunities. You know, you can't just like, I'm going to quit and start my own firm, like with nothing set up. Like, I mean, you can, but it's going to be a lot harder that way. Like I was lucky that I had an inherent network through social media because I had been building it up to kind of, I kind of knew I was going to end up doing this. You know, like if you have the, any inkling that you want to be an entrepreneur, start, you know, saving emails, building an email list, thinking of an, a website name and like start, you know, do it silently, start building it up silently. So when you are like, I've had enough and I need to go off on my own, you're not starting from zero. Um, there's a an attorney, her name is Lawyer Brit on Instagram and she has a podcast and she, it's the Lawyer Brit podcast. And she talks a lot about how she literally left her job. Well, she put in her two weeks and they were like, just don't come back on Monday. So she she thought she was gonna have two weeks to create those systems and processes to go off on her own. Guess what? The next day she had nothing. And she got really lucky that she, you know, she had enough contacts to go out and find clients and it worked out really well for her. But not everyone has that. You have to do the groundwork first. You can't just like, I'm gonna be an entrepreneur and like it just happened. Like it you it takes a lot more work. It's your life, your baby. It's baby. Like you have to nourish it. If if you're not actively working on it, nothing's gonna happen. It's not like your law firm where it, it it's a machine and it's running at all hours of the day. Like if you are not actively putting time into the business, there's no ROI. Yeah. What you you know, like you have to be working on it every single day. And it's hard. You know, it, it's 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 exhausting. It's all encompassing because it's you. And that's how that's why it's important to have systems and processes so you can delegate and you can hire out. And eventually you get to the point where you are only doing the part that you want to be doing and other people are doing the parts that you don't want to do or that you're not that good at. And that's how the big firms get big is that they're able to scale down and there's a totem pole for a reason. You want to make sure that you are building that up so you can have that as well. Um, but also just, you know, Again, if you want to do it, I'm not going to stop you. No one can stop you. No one can stop me. But I feel like someone that's going to do it almost needs to have that approach. The no one can stop me and no one's going to talk me out of it. Like if yeah. you if you could be talked out of it under any circumstances, you probably shouldn't do it. 100%. Same thing with intuition. Like if you can explain it, it's not intuition. If you can be talked out of it, maybe it's not the right path for you. And Maybe you you try it out for a little while and you realize it's not a path for you and then but you started a business and it's semi successful, you're just not happy, hire a CEO. You know, you can still be the founder and the face of it, but you don't have to be the, the one running the business. And that's okay too. I know people who have done that. I think, you know, 
be open to criticism, be open to advice, talk to a lot of people. Like if you know you want to be an entrepreneur or think you do, talk to people who have done it. Do your research. Yeah. I, you know, the reason that I knew it was right for me is because I had been thinking about it and talking about it with people for a year. Literally, my friends were like, you just need to go off on your own. Like you, I remember I was applying for jobs for months post-graduation and it got to the point where it was literally mid-October or early November, a few months ago. And I just was having mental breakdown after mental breakdown after nervous breakdown, crying myself to sleep every single night. And it got to the point where like, my friends just were like, you know what you want to do. Why are you trying so hard to get a job? Like, this isn't what you want. And people that I was interviewing with or having coffee calls with, whatever, like, they're like, you're saying you want this, but you're, it's, I don't, I don't feel it. I don't see it. Like, yeah. it, like I know deep down, like there's something else that you want and you're not telling me because you want to fit this mold because you think that's what we're looking for. But like, that's not what we want. We like, I more than anything, cause they were all like connections of mine. They're like, I want you to be happy. You will not be happy here. And we want to invest in people that are going to stay here. And like, it just does not like make sense to hire someone that we know just won't be happy here. And it took people being like, just go, like, just do it. Like my parents at some point, they're like, okay, like I get it. I I see it now. I, I understand now what you mean that you are meant to be an entrepreneur. Don't get me wrong, they were scared, but they they understood where I was coming from. They were seeing it. I was crying myself to sleep every night. I was miserable. And it, it took getting to that point for them to just be like, okay. And and it, when, once they finally gave me their blessing, it was like, I that pressure was taken off me. And I was like, okay, like now I feel comfortable doing this. And in November, I, you know, legally formed my law firm. And then I made that official leap. But I was, you know, I knew all along, I knew since August, September that I wanted to go on my own, but I, I was denying it for a while, you know? So if you you know it, the best thing that can happen to you is to be thrown into it. I think. Yeah. I I, I just have to, like, I got to the point where I was like, I literally, if I don't do this, I am withering away. Like I was doing myself more of a disservice. Um, but yeah, like just do your research, talk to a lot of people, get as much information as you can. You know, don't do it blindly. It, it's not, you know, you could be really lucky and be successful at it blindly, but it's a lot more work than it looks. And, you know, I still, again, I enjoy sharing the pretty parts of my life and how I'm traveling and having a lot of people are like, do you even work? Like, what do you do? Like, you're always traveling. It's like, I'm glued to my phone. I am answering emails or you know, like I, I have the luxury that I can do my work from anywhere, but it doesn't mean I'm not working. Like I do it because I love it. And you have to, at some level, like deep down, like you have to love it. You have to be willing to put in the work. It's, don't do it because you think it's going to be easier. It's it's actually going to be a hundred times harder because the only person that to answer to is you. You're the and only one you... who can fix anything. You know? And if you love it like that, it's not going to feel like work. I'll find myself up till. No, like, I don't believe in that saying anymore. I used to. No. But like, if if you love what you do, you won't work a day in your life. That's bullshit. You're going to work a hundred times harder because it's yours. You are, but I 
I've found it it doesn't always feel like work though. If you're like depending on what parts you're doing, some part you're never going to be able to escape the parts that are work and do feel like work, but the parts that the part the little parts of it that you love the most are they're going to fly by without you even realizing it. I don't think they fly by. I think they make it worth it. They make the the parts that you don't love worth it. But I don't think it makes it easier cuz it's still hard work. Oh, and yeah. they, it's your your name, your reputation, your money on the line. Like yeah, absolutely. it's not going to be easy and it's not always going to be fun, but it'll be worth it. So and I've got it, a couple Oh, sorry. I was I gonna say, no, and I was going to say and I think like it's cool that it's rewarding. Like you get to know that you built that. And that yeah. to me is I wanted a life that I could build on my own terms. And that's the most rewarding thing to me. I agree. So I've got a couple of repeat questions I usually ask in every interview, and we kind of indirectly answered one of them there through all of that. It has to do with the types of things that you would tell yourself to do differently as you were getting into this. I'll kind of ask it again, but without getting too repetitive, what are some things that you would tell a younger Kayla first getting into this to do differently, just knowing what you know now? That's hard because I think I always was going to end up doing something like this. So it's not like a what I would do differently. Like it was always going to happen. It was inevitable. Again, I, I'm a very gut person, but I try to like logic my way out of things. And I, I it ends up getting to the point where it's like, it's literally inevitable that something is going to happen because I've been fighting it for so long. And then it happens and it's like, why didn't I do this sooner? So, and I and that has happened multiple times in my life. So it's not like a what I wish I would have known to like, you know, more so with law school, that question. Like, I would not do it again. I know for a fact that if I had to go back, I wouldn't. I would have been 100% okay had I not gone to law school. I would have figured it out anyway. I would have been an entrepreneur of some sort. I may not have been a lawyer, but I would have been an entrepreneur of some sort. And I would have been very successful at it because I'm very resilient and very adaptable. And I'm I'm just meant to be successful. Like, I, I just am. But I'm grateful that I did it. I am would not be the person I am today. I would not be where I am, who I am, even here. Had I not gone to law school, because there's certain people that I met along the way that changed the trajectory of my life. Some of my best friends I met through law school or while I was in law school, not necessarily through law school, but like during that time in my life. And or because of law school, because I was an attorney. Um I've grown a lot. I've changed. I am a much different, happier person than I was before I went to law school, but it was because I was so unhappy in law school that I chose to put myself first. And that was really unpopular in school, but it made me who I am. So like, if I knew all of the things that I would have struggled with in law school, would I have gone? No, but I'm really glad I did. And I'm, you know, I'm literally hiding. I'm not telling you so many things that happened in law school, but I share a lot about it on my website and like I'll casually talk about it sometimes on my podcast or on social media, but mental health struggles, you know, like 
health, like wellness stuff. Like I thought that I was going to have cancer at one point. Um, relationships, toxic relationships, toxic friendships, um, toxic roommates, <laughs> like so many things that happened, but I learned from it. I grew from it. So, you know, going to the entrepreneurship part directly, you know, don't worry about what anyone else says. Like if you know that that's what you were meant to do, if you have a gut feeling, don't fight it. Like I need to learn to stop fighting so hard for everything. I try so hard and all all the time. And usually the things that work out the best for me are the ones that I just let happen the way that they were supposed to and stop trying to fight it so much and learning to be more present in the moment and go with the flow. I'm I'm not good at that. I want things to be perfect. I you know, I have this vision in my head and I want it to be a certain way. And that held me back. That vision in October, November, I was still looking for jobs because I thought that I had to have a life a certain way, even though I knew already that I didn't want that life. You know, it wasn't until the point where I was like, I cannot keep going like this, that I was like, okay, I'm just going to lean into what I know I'm meant to be doing and just be present and enjoy it, how it comes. And I made that decision this week too with something in my personal life. You know, like if you, if you know you bad it, you want it badly enough. Like, no one can stop you, and you're willing to work so much harder for it. So don't fight it so much. I Love think it. That would be my best answer. That's a great, detailed, awesome, thorough answer. I love it. Um, the other question I have for you, so the show is called Profession Session, and I love having these conversations because it helps me really dissect what it takes to be a professional. So my question to you is, what does it mean to you personally to be a professional? That's hard because as an entrepreneur, I, you know, I am in jeans right now. I can work from home and be in my PJs if I want to. A lot of times I am in my PJs. I'm in my Lululemon joggers while yeah. I'm wearing this suit up top. <laughs> so, you know, it's hard because professionalism in this day and age with Zoom and work from home has been challenged and it's not what we used to think of it as. Don't get me wrong. I love getting dressed up. I love a man in a suit. Sometimes I wish I went into an office just to see that. Um, but I was talking about that with my friend the other day. That's why I said that. Um, but professionalism is, I don't know. I mean, I think it means something differently to everybody. It's, I think it's how you carry yourself and how you present yourself, how you want to show up in the world and how you want people to see you. And that's a slippery slope because you don't want to be worried about what people think and care so much about external validation, but you still want to, you know, perception is a big thing. And professionalism, it all comes down to perception. You want other people to view you as professional so they respect you more, so they want to work with you. And so I think the way you carry yourself, you know, I put on a little bit of makeup just because I knew this was gonna be recorded, but like nine times out of 10, I, yeah, my hair is a hot mess, I'm in PJs, and I haven't had my coffee yet when I'm working on emails, but that's the side of me that people don't see. I mean, I share it on social media, don't get me wrong, but like, you know, you don't, other people don't need to see that. But when you are front facing, when you're going to be seen, when I'm going out, like I want to present myself, I will do my hair. I will put on makeup. I will put on an outfit because I feel better. And when I've had a really bad day, I'm going to get dressed and like put myself together. So I feel more professional and more empowered and inspired to do what I'm going there to do. 
So I think, yeah, I think it's how you carry yourself and the way you want people to perceive you. Figuring out how you want to and need to be perceived in what you're doing and making sure that you carry yourself accordingly to to get that done, reverse engineer. I love it. Well, Kayla, anything else that you would want to share with the audience? Thank you again so much. I mean, this has been awesome. No, thank you so much for having me. I mean, I'm an open book. There are so many other things that I could have talked about. I do talk about a lot of things on my podcast, the Let's Get Candid podcast, so you can come find me on there. Follow me on social media if you have any questions about anything that I talked about or want to learn more about me or get any templates or anything, or you want to work with me, please reach out to me. Um, I have different emails for different businesses, but just DM me and I will direct you correctly. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. And I genuinely in love. I love talking about this and having these conversations. This is it, 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 it this is what like I wake up for. These conversations of getting to share my story or hearing other people share theirs to inspire others. That is my goal always. I want to inspire people. So if I inspired you, I did my job. You know, if I awesome. had to go through anything in my life, everything that I've gone through, if it could help one person by sharing my story, I did my job. I love that. Thank you again so much. And I'll make sure that you all can find all the details that she mentioned in the notes here, the description of the video or podcast. And thanks again for listening to Profession Session. Tune it out.